Hello, welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that hosts powerful, imperfectly perfect conversations and shines the light on amazing individuals and their work in order to empower young people, teachers, educators, leaders and parents to live a happy and fulfilled life and most importantly, to flourish. We really hope you enjoy all our conversations. Hello and welcome to another powerful Imperfectly Perfect conversation for the Flourishing Education podcast. Today I'm excited to be speaking to Willie Wynance and he's creator and founder of Ediscrum. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Willie. Thank you very much, Fabienne, to invited me for your a lot of podcasts you make already and a lot of lot of uh, text you put on the LinkedIn site. It's great what I see and what I listen to you. I'm a fan of you. Ah, uh, thank you. And I'm a fan of your work too. So I think that's going to be in for a nice conversation. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. So to start with, then, do you want to tell us about, so um, people may not know what Scrum is, um, and, you know, it might help the, the listeners to sort of ha- have a bit of an overview of your journey into education so they can understand uh, your, your background, maybe if we start with that. Yes, okay, I will start with my background. In 1976, yes, a long time ago, 45, 46 years ago, I started working at a high school in the Netherlands and in chemistry and physics, so uh, in, <coughs> as a teacher. And uh, in 2011, yes, I started with, I encountered Scrum. Because a friend of mine uh, explains to me Scrum, uh, what he does in his company where he works with. And it, I was so enthusiastic about what he tells about Scrum. And I was looking, not directly looking for, to, to create some new things. No, I was looking for something. How can I give and put students in the driver's seat? And that was for me a kind of enlightenment. He put a kind of, he inflamed me, you know, he put, uh, he energized me about it. So I started in September 2011 in my classroom and with these little steps about team formation and the flap, the scrum board, the editor scrum board. Later, I changed the name from scrum into editor scrum for educational stuff. And the dynamics within the team directly change a lot. The students have fun, students working together, and uh, that was the, the, be- the beginning of my journey. Now we are in 2022, almost more than 10 years later, and I'm making really an exa- uh, a great uh, empo- uh, improvement about what I started with in a simple way. And when I look back what I did at that time, and now uh, it is a, a great, a great difference. And uh, of course, and I did it. I did this not alone. I learned how to improve my work and the work with Ediscrum, also a lot from my students. Uh, how they react, how they interact with each other, uh, how they act to me, how I react to them. So in the beginning, I ke- I kept a logbook uh, and create, I, I write down all my experiences with my students, 
to learn from them. And one of the greatest points was, uh, was they come up, came up with uh, working agreements. And one of the working agreements was uh, definition of fun. And in, in, with this definition of fun, uh, they describe what they find necessary to have fun in the classroom, to working together in the classroom. So I introduced definition of fun uh, in all my uh, trainings with Scrum in all my classes. And this is also the first point when I introduced Scrum to my students. And when I introduced Scrum to my students, I don't tell them, now I will tell you a new way of working and now it's called Scrum. No, I don't teach them Scrum. I teach them only another way of working, working in teams, working together and the name of Scrum I don't I even don't use. It is not about the name, it is what you are really doing. Amazing. And so when you were describing what you do, you mentioned words like fun, working together, collaboration, enjoyment, engagements. And I think about our current schooling system in the in England mm -hmm. and a lot of the what the students I've interviewed tell me is the almost antithesis of what you're saying. So <laughs> it's a. Uh, it, can you tell us more? I mean, how can can we, as as parents or educators, introduce or what do you do when you introduce that um, working together uh, in with fun and you know. Yeah. Yeah, if you could just sort of describe that, that would be really cool. Yeah, um, when I started my first class my, in, in the beginning of the year with chemistry and, or physics, I don't start with chemistry. I don't start with physics. I introduce my students. I let them uh, come into my classroom. They put the, the book, their books, their textbooks on the table. I say, put the textbook away. We start with introduce ourselves. What I expect from you, what you expect from me, I talk about we create a safe environment. That is for me number one, safe environment. So when there are some problems, please tell me. And um, I tell a little bit about myself. I let them introduce by themselves if they want. Uh, this is not an obligation to them. And so step by step, I bring this in. And uh, in the after the first lesson, then I come with a project <laughs> about uh, about chemistry, and I. Chemistry is for me a cough. That's for me an, a, a, a vehicle to, to come into the classroom and teach them chemistry. But for me, it is not about chemistry. It's about uh, personal development and team development. That is for me also a very important thing. And beside of that, or maybe what is for the curriculum important, that I teach them chemistry to meet them the criteria of the curriculum. And as you say, uh, uh, in UK, the system is blah, blah, blah. No, I think the system all over the world is uh, fixed in a great, in a fixed box where we have to deal with it. And it is not so difficult to deal with the curriculum because the curriculum on the one hand, uh, it is a good anchor point that we have some criteria to work on. But on the, on the other hand, it is too boxed and it's not too, it is not agile, it is not flexible. We cannot really interact with that. But beside of that, it is really, you can really work with that. And, and <clears throat> why you can really work with that? Because 
I explain my students uh, the why. Why it is important to learn chemistry, or why it is important to learn physics, or why it is important to learn a language, or history, or geography. So I put a strong, very strong why in their text. Uh, <laughs> because, and that is also not um, in the beginning when I teach, when I starting starting with teaching, there wasn't also what I have to accomplish as the students and how to do it. I have to give them homework or whatever. And um, <coughs> uh, now I explain why it is important about chemistry. What are the criteria we have to what you have to meet? And the how is not for me anymore. It's up to the students. So I don't give homework to my students. The homework or the work, so what they have to do, can they do in the classroom? And when they are not finished in the classroom, they have homework for themselves. But it's up to them. This, the how is up to them. And when the teams are working in this way, they are very energized. They started late. What do you mean with starting late with their work? Because in the first three lessons, or maybe four of 50 minutes, I have to explain the assignment. I have to explain, I have to do the team formation. I let them make the Ediscom board, the flaps, how we call them. Uh, them they make their own task <clears throat> and I give them, yes, I give them some examples how they can create their tasks and then they go on. And then after that, when they create the task, they do the planning poker stuff to give point to the task so we can create a run-up chart. Oh yes, run-up chart. We change the name run-up chart because in Scrum, it's, we called it Scrum uh, burn down chart. But my students changed this in 2017 because they don't like the word burn down. That was negative. So what would, would be, I asked them, what would be another name? So they changed it into a run up chart. So to look up and not look down. That's one. And secondly, uh, in Scrum, we use the word acceptance criteria. Uh, the, to meet the learning goals or the learning objectives. But even that acceptance is in the Netherlands. You have to accept this and you have to accept this. So I don't, my students don't like the word acceptance. So I said, okay, I asked them, that was in the same class in the same year in 2017, and they changed it into celebration criteria. And I asked them why you want to change it. Because when we are working together as a team and we have fun in it and we have enjoy working together, then we can celebrate when we have a story uh, <coughs> finished. So therefore, they change it into celebration. And after that, we change acceptance into a celebration criteria. Amazing. So before I ask you to sort of like go through the details of the of the different, you know, the things that you mentioned, maybe in more details for, for people to get their heads around it. Um, if they're really interested. One thing that came up for me, uh, and I know that for some parents that that will be the case, it, it obviously I don't anymore. Um, but in the past, I know that I would I would listen to to this and sort of like to the that all oh, the, the students are not in charge of, you know, they're now in, in charge of what they do and the, you know, how they learn it, etc. And I wonder if initially you get some pushback or from the young people and from the parents, because I don't think in our systems we trust our children enough and our young people enough to 
to literally want to learn or to be empowered to learn, to have that curiosity. So for those who are really formatted to the system and are used to sort of like, this is how, you know, you are the teacher and you fill me with your, you know, me empty vessel, you fill me up with your knowledge. <laughs> Do you get pushback from, from people or, or not at all? Yes, uh, of course, I get some pushbacks from the students. And what you say, you started with the word trust. And trust is one of the, next to the taking care of them, very important. Love your children, love your kids in, the, in a good way, that you love them to teach them and empower them. And trust is also what I bring in in the beginning <coughs> and I explain why is trust so important. And I ask my students, what is what means trust for you? And I collect all these items. What is trust for you? Friendship, love. Uh, taking care of each other. So they come up with a lot of uh, definitions of trust. And uh, to bring in the trust, <coughs> the trust in the students, I explain also uh, to them what, uh, why is trust so important? Trust is the foundation of, of uh, working together. When there is no trust, you cannot work together. And uh, this is uh, and this is also uh, more explained in the book of Patrick Lencioni of the five dysfunctions of a team. That is building on trust. And then I, and we changed the five dysfunctions of a team of Patrick Lencioni a little bit in a positive way. And um, uh, next to the trust, when there's a good trust, then the next difficult step is communication. How to communicate with each other and the, uh, in a safe environment and with trust in your team in the classroom, then the, the communication must be open and there must be also room for a conflict. Conflict in a positive way to discuss, to show yourself, to be yourself in your classroom. And this is what, when I do the retrospective with my students, to how can they improve? Is communication one of the uh, points? What is the most difficult thing to, in, in working together? how to communicate in a powerful and a good way. But when you take time for this, for power, for empower them in trust and communication, then they feel really committed to the team. So feel really that they are responsible, accountable for each other. So the results are good, mostly good. When one of these building blocks is disappeared or absence, then it will fall down. When there's no trust, please don't start or work on trust. And that is an important th thing. And um, uh, what I also try to do is I give my students the, the, the wheel to steer in their own uh, car or vehicle or whatever. So I put them in the driver's seat. And I ask them, we're also within the curriculum, what do you want to learn? This is an open question, but in, in chemistry of my, uh, my subject, on my project about uh, chemistry, I asked them, what do you want to learn about chemistry about this topic? So I have the, the criteria of the curriculum, but I asked her also, give them more input. And in the beginning, when you ask this to your students, what do you want to learn? They really are quiet. They don't know what, the, what, what they must answer at that moment, because a lot of times this is not, not asking to yourself. The students are used to be sitting in the cinema mode. And you are the teacher, you tell me what to do. Because they are raised in this way of thinking. You are the teacher, tell me. And I do it or I do, don't do it. But 
tell me, please. You are in charge. No, you are in charge. I put it back to my students and I, I give them support. And you have to learn to think by themselves. This and say, and when they really trust themselves, then they come really in a, in a good space mode. They are curious. You uh, touch their, their own passion and they feel the freedom that they can also bring in new things. And new that uh, their opinion is also important. So next to that, or add to that, they will also add in time uh, more criteria in this celebration criteria. And they, they, this goes beyond the curriculum. So, and I have also the, the chance in my school that we did, <coughs> we did uh, open project. An open project means there is no subject, there is no project. We ask them the simple words, what do you want to learn? And it takes a lot of time to get it out of them. And uh, when they are really, that, and then the students become really engaged when they can do work in their own, in their school, three hours in a week about this, their own subject, what they want to learn. And they're really uh, amazing. And the most, uh, not the most important thing, but also what is also nice, that I learn from them because they bring in a lot of new things. So I'm a student in this case because they are the teachers, they teach me. And that is what I like too. Uh, and for me, everybody in, in, in my life is a teacher. The young kids, the older kids, the little children, we can learn from each other. And please be open to listen to them. And not you are not the teacher. You are not the boss to tell another, the students what they have to do and how they have to do it. No, you have to tell a little bit about what they have to do, your criteria, and how it's up to them. And you, your role as a teacher will change in sometimes into be a simple instructor, tell them what to do, don't talk about the things, uh, other things, or you coach them, or you be the servant leader for them. Open the door, uh, treat them, care for them, and then you, you will see the dynamics will change. But that takes time because I'm not raised to it not used to it yeah and and i guess i it for the parents listeners who are worried about the because we are told that our children need specific grades to go to university that's the yeah, holy yeah. grail right um what what is you need time how much time do you need no no yeah <laughs> I, 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 I yes yes uh marks and grades are important because you have to, to, to pass your exam. That is, uh, we have to stick to it. And, um, um, and I get also, when I talk with the parents of the students in, in my coaching classes and our mentoring classes, I get uh, of students, either, either students of chemistry and the parents talk with me about a 10 minutes talk uh, to ask me, uh, when do you start with teaching? I say, I teach, I teach, but I teach in another way. Yes, but you can, can, can you still teach in the way I learned it years ago? Because I have good results. Yes, I did it already in this way. I did it also in this way, and I had good remarks. But even in this way, in a new way of teaching, my marks, uh, the, the marks of the students are even better. In the beginning, the average is almost the same. And when I talk and when I compare, uh, the first period, uh, when I do the pro first project, and the, the first period in the old way of teaching and the 
when I was in charge and I did tell them what to do and I prepared them for the teaching stuff. And the second time, the average is almost the same. The grades are the same. And after that, after second period, so after six, seven weeks of three times of chemistry a week, then it will change. And the, the students do it by themselves. And the, the, the marks or the grades will raise up to 10 to 15% in 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 uh, up and not it, for me it is not okay important for parents the the grades are important and uh, but for me it's more important and also for the students for the parents also i think i know yes i know that the students personal development is growing amazingly and they see they get home another kid but and when you see about time, yes, after three, to three months, you will see this, the, the change already. You will see, you will really change how they become really responsible of, of the things. And of course, it is, it is, it is not a holy grail. It is a way of working. And you must not go for the school with working with Ediscrim because then the students become crazy. Because to work with all this kind of same project or same lookalike project, a lot of maps, <coughs> This is one of the way you can work with your students. And the, the flap is also, that is one of the important things of Scrum, of Scrum is be transparent. Um, um, be transparent, yes, as one. Adapt after some way of working and do a review moment. In, call, in, in, uh, in Scrum, we call it inspection moment. I call it, leave, I call it for me review because we're looking back at what you did so far how can we improve and adapt to make this the next sessions of three lessons in this case uh, more better i guess that's sort of like a reflection yeah. and like, yeah, it's reflection yeah. time yeah yes. yeah amazing the reflection is not after six seven weeks of 2021 lessons no the reflection time we do every little cycle of three lessons Yes, Maybe and then more. looking at what would you do differently or yeah, what yeah. are you going to change or yeah, shift. Yeah. It's like checking that you're still on course for yeah. that specific, yeah, and, amazing. And when they're not on track, I can give them a little push in the right direction. And then when they are on the wrong track, then they only lose a little bit of three lessons. Now, not to totally three lessons, a little bit, and they are fast on the right track again. Amazing. And, you know, you were talking about things like trust and communication and like being open to conflict and handling conflicts in a positive way and being committed to the team, you know, being accountable. That to me sounds like a lot of the skills that employers want, right? Yes. So, I often, I use, I, lo I love analogies and metaphors. That's how mm. my mind works um and so for me i often say to 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 the students at university to be a fully fledged flying bird that flies off the nest you need two wings strong wings one is the wing of knowledge and personal power and the other wing is the wing of what i call love and compassion or like wisdom skills and you need those two to just be able to soar and and you know fly the nest so how does that fit in with with what you do with edges edges scrum i love your metaphor that's number one uh, and next to that um 
I love also the the metaphor about about words. Uh, we we have a uh, kind of a quote, and it calls. Um, Eriskum can let you fly, but when you don't understand the why, you can't fly. Other Eriskum can give you wings, sorry. Eriskum can give you wings, but when you don't understand the why, you can't fly. So we use also these wings, and uh, I love it, <coughs> uh, your pronunciation. And I fully agree, you need knowledge. You need the old base knowledge. But I think also develop on the same time the soft, the soft skills. And the soft skills we develop, we, um, we, the 21st century skills with a lot of soft skills in it, we uh, subtract them a little bit in the four C's. Collaboration, communication, uh, creativity, and critical thinking. So in the process, it's about communication and collaboration. And in the learning product or outcomes, there is, must be room for uh, creativity, freedom of creativity and critical thinking. So make a link to the critical thinking. Why do I have to do this kind of uh, subject or project? And we add two uh, C's more. We, uh, we add this two C's more. One of the C's is the C of choice. Give them freedom of choice. And the other uh, C is care, caring. So care for your students, say feel it. And you know, when you, when, I, <clears throat> when you care for your students, they feel it, and they work really hard for you. And that is not that they work for you, but they want to work for you. They want to come in the classroom, and they want to go on the work on their own work, because they are in charge. And when you feel a little nervous about your teaching stuff, you can, uh, sometimes you can go back to the old way of teaching, and you are sending the things out. And in the totally process of the Edison process, there is also room for uh, teaching for 30 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever you want. And that is not only, okay, you have to flip, let them, you form teams and let them work and let go out. No, they demand that you are in the classroom. You have to, your role change and you have to be there when they needed you at that moment, but they need you in another way. And one of the things, when I work with them together and I make them dependent dependent of each other, uh, one of the rules what I have I <coughs> is that I ask them when they want to have a question, first ask your team members. So first, and I one of the rules is ask three before me. So when the Isaac is the questions and I come to one of the students and they didn't ask, is it a team member say goodbye? ask first and then come back to me. And then I can explain them to them, to the students, what they need. And even when you work in teams, um, uh, then you can also teach more students at the same time. Normally the classes in the Netherlands uh, is uh, 25, 30 students at the same time, some 32. And uh, a few years ago, I had two classes, uh, three classes of exam. And I don't have time to teach them all the way because I have also other, there came other work in my, in my work on school. And uh, <clears throat> uh, how can I uh, com compress my time in a better way? So I asked my, my uh, uh, director, my boss, I asked them, I, I can teach 60 students at the same time. I say, no, that's not possible. Yes, it is possible because 
I don't have 60 students, I have 12 teams of five. And then I can teach 12 teams. I don't teach 60 students, no, at the same time. Uh, so 20, uh, 12 students uh, to, to teach them. So I have to go around to, to the classes from one team to the other team. And sometimes you have more time for one team, and sometimes you need more time for another team. So it works out. And also so about coming back to the parents, uh, also the school, it was a kind of a pilot. Yeah, there's a pilot, a tryout, and we send a letter to the, to, the, to the parents with this experiment. And when the pilot is not good, we will adjust and we, we will take care that they will get the real knowledge for the exam. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it was not needed. So work, so work hard. So that wasn't needed. Yeah, I'm not surprised because obviously what you're doing by you empowering them, first mm. of all, with the choice and, you know, developing all the skills we need, the critical thinking and the communication, you give them choice and agency and they feel seen, heard and valued. I mean, like, what's there not to love here in what you've described, really? Um yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I can imagine why it would be really positive. One one thing that came up for me thinking, you know, with, with my hat is that before I, you know, when I was on my sabbatical, before being on my sabbatical and, you know, working with, with colleagues, um, that also it obviously requires the young people to develop particular approaches and be open to this new approach but it also presumably requires the the teacher to view their role differently because from what you were describing at times you have to almost guide them so be there to provide them with you know more direct instructions mm -hmm. but other times you have to be a coach and other times you've got to be the guide on the side and all of those things so would you say that it requires a lot of flexibility from the from the teacher um and do you do you find that some teachers find it you know that you have to have a particular sort of quite open mindset to be willing to take on uh, edge scrum because one of the things I see with some of my colleagues is they're quite set in their ways, right? It's like that's what how we do things, and we've always done things, and we might not want to change them. So, what would be your response to that to them if that was the case? Yes, uh, uh... It's a good, good, a good question. And uh, what my response would be of is that, uh, of course, when you are a teacher, uh, the teach the role of your role as a teacher changed because uh, <clears throat> 20 years ago or an, and earlier, we have a book and the, the teacher was a knowledge of everything. There was, uh, oh yeah, the library, but there was not internet. So, and now your role as a teacher changed because the knowledge is not only in, on the teacher or in the books, but is on the internet. So you can find everything, only you have to know how to find the right things and put them together. So one of the things is that you as a teacher must have the guts and to be open and there and there to give the students, to put the, to put the students in charge. And then some uh, teachers ask me also, still ask me, uh, what is the one of the, can you can you teach me at a scrum? Uh, is it possible? Yes and no. I asked them the question, how many trust do you have in your students? 
And when, when, when somebody say uh, six, 60, 70%, I trust my students. I say then, that's my answer is, please don't start with Edith Scrum. You have to trust them for 90 to 100%, dare to give them the role of being in charge. And always you as a teacher are responsible, but also you are a little bit the boss. When something went wrong, you can pull also the strings back to you and teach any other way when you become nervous. But in the beginning, maybe you do it more and more, um, more times, but in ongoing in the process, you, you really let them go. You can trust them. You feel that you can trust them. Their self-confidence will grow, but only your only self-confidence will grow. So it will be uh, empowered also yourself. And you come in the role of a, of a teacher, uh, of a student too, because you are not the only one of knowledge anymore. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so you mentioned earlier on agile um, and agile learning. And, and how does that fit in with uh, Scrum? Would yeah, you be uh, able to tell us a bit more on yeah, that? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> the agile way of working that you work in short cycles, that you work on learning products and in constantly improvement that are the uh, simple uh, basic things of working in agile way of working, short cycles, working on learning products and improve and, and improvement that we do also in Edescript, we work in short cycles. that means after three lessons, we do a kind of a review moment, a kind of a learning moment, reflection moment. And then we go into the improvement of the stuff. That can be, can be on the learning pro, uh, process, uh, product, or that can be also on the uh, team or personal development process. Depends what happens in the classroom. <coughs> uh, so that's just the, the, the short, the, the way of we work. Uh, at the end of the whole period of six, seven weeks or three times a week, then uh, we have, and sorry, that, and that depends on the school schedule. Because when you work on, on, with students on the university one time a week, four hours, or a whole day, once a week, and you see them once in a week or once in the two weeks, you have to adjust and adapt this also for the students too. And also make it in a kind of an online environment because you don't see them only once in a week or once in the two weeks. So you create an online uh, scrum environment of other scrum environment to work together so <clears throat> um yeah it's about the in the edge of, yeah sorry i was quite of my uh, get out of my story but the agile way of working so this is also included in our Scrum total process and at the end of the whole retrospective after they get back they get their grades I do a retrospective about the learning outcomes, about the personal development and the team development. And how can they adjust and improve their learning products next time? How, what did they learn from themselves and from the others on their personal team development and also as a personal development and of the team development, how can they improve it next time? And sometimes I let them in the second period be in the same teams and sometimes I change the team, depends on the situation within what happens during the whole process. So, and this, and I do is the retrospective after they get the grades, because then they can really uh, feel and determine by themselves how they, how did they, how did they do their work. When you do it uh, just before they get the grades, they 
think a little bit negative, maybe about their grades, about the real outcomes. So I want to give them the real uh, grades, what they, what they really deserved uh, after the work. Amazing. And what is the, um, have you had, have you spoken to employers, um, like linked it to sort of um, the world of work? Because it sounds to me from what you were saying, you know, these, these abilities to reflect on the, the, I guess the output, what you've you've produced out of the project, the the personal developments and the, the reflection on the collaboration. Mm -hmm. Those are again, uh, if I if I think with like the you know in higher education, I give I write references for employers, and sometimes I talk to employers, and they too sometimes uh, lament the fact that the the current education system is not really preparing young people for the world of work. Mm -hmm. So, have you had? conversations with an employer linking it to the to the the the, the work that you do with edu, edu scrum and you know have they as has anybody sort of made links as well to the skills that they require yes yes uh, i have them uh, because uh, people are in the netherlands but also outside the netherlands when they come to me for international training coming to the netherlands in 2016 and 17 uh, that's when they come to, and they want to see with their own eyes what happens in the classroom when you work with Scrum. So I give you one example uh, of more example that uh, some CEOs of school of, of uh, some CEOs of companies are visiting my my uh, my school and looking into my classroom and what's happening. And I tell he he or she introduce herself and he tells about what. What? Why he is coming into my classroom, and he's and then he say what, and he tells my students what is so important to learn when you come and want to work in my company. So this is so important. And one of them was in, already in 2012. One of my great friends, uh, becoming a great great friend, is Rini from Solingen. He's a CEO of an IT company. He's a professor of the university in Delft. And he visited my school and he, it was really amazing what he saw and what he tells about with the student. That is what we really needed. And uh, also some, uh, some CEOs of, the, of, a, of a bank, of the, of the Rabobank of the, in the Netherlands came to my school and my classroom and he saw what happening. And he also talked to my students. And you see what happens with my students. Oh, this is what we're doing is really needed in my class, in, in the real company. Yes. That is what we need in the company. Not only the knowledge. Knowledge we can we can take in from the internet, but we need uh, people who are conscious about themselves and know what their skills are. So we're making back to the beginning. I forgot. We're making teams out of qualities and skills. We're making teams together, not be friend or be friends together. Now we put them together, making teams, uh, making teams based on qualities and skills. So they learn to be conscious about themselves. So they obviously learn, they, they also learn their, their strengths and their, their weaknesses so they can look for people who've got assets or skills that where they're, they're lacking or in those skills. Exactly. And this is the way how we form teams. When you are a leader, a very creative, 
or that is one one of the one of the quick uh, criteria. And when you uh, or when you in your team you don't have a leader, you need a leader, and you pick out of all of the your fellow students who's a leader. So you need him or good good in planning stuff. You build up a team out of all of these qualities and skills. Mm, wonderful. And then I want to go back to your to the why. So obviously why or immediately makes me think of Simon Sinek, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also it links beautifully to my research. And so my model, my flourishing model. And the one thing that I've really noticed, so, you know, flourishing students um, focus on their cognitive health, emotional health, um, their social health, their, their physical health. The one that's, that is really under explored in the world of education which I've labeled spiritual health and that spiritual health is both that sense that you are part for some students you're part of something bigger so for some people it may be the real spiritual you know sort of the link with God but for others it's actually not that at all and it's more linked to that why it's more a you know a sense of purpose or meaning in life okay and I've really seen that it's almost like this, this spiritual health is the most underexplored in education. And yet the one that, in my view, if you ask me, if you wanted the most leverage would give you the most um, because, you know, there, there, there's loads that has been written that links to that, you know, around intrinsic motivation and around, um, you know, for example, uh, Viktor Frankl and like man's search for meaning. So we know that, you know, for, from what happened to them in the concentration camp, that when you lose your meaning, your, the purpose in life, then do you give up, right? Yeah. Um, how does that all fit? And, and, and for me, that would automatically link to the heart, right? It comes from your passion, comes from your, is driven on purpose with purpose from your heart. How does that fit in with your view of, of the why? Is it similar? <laughs> yes, uh, I, I think I don't need to explain the, uh, use the word because you use already the words. Uh, you, you started with Simon Sinek about the golden circle, about the why, the how, the what. So we use also this the, 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 the golden circle from Simon Sinek. And we change the inner, the inner circle into a heart, you know. And we call it the Amazing. why. And the why is your passion, what you say already. And when you don't know your why, yeah, you have to think is you have to think about your why. And that takes time in the beginning, but it takes and also why are you teaching? Yes, I have to earn money. I say, please stop teaching. What is your passion? Well, do you love your students? No, I need money. So, sorry. <laughs> this is for me not the teaching. You are you are passionate about your, you're really the what is your passion? And also when you can touch the heart of the students, you don't need to teach them more. You have to only to to support them, to guide them a little bit, and uh, say. Uh, what I say already, they become enthusiastic and curious where you show them uh, the, the bigger picture and you guide them a little bit. That is your responsibility, guide them in, in a way of be the leader, be the service leader, be a coach, be a facilitator, be the teacher, sometimes an instructor. So your role is changing. Support your students and don't do that in front of your classroom because sometimes 
you need to instruct before in front of the classroom or when you work in teams you instruct or you teach within the teams no problem at all but about passion start with the passion not only your passion but also touch the heart of the students amazing and do you find that some of them struggle to find their why because to me if i think about some of the examples of the young people i've worked with so in what we call sex forms for example in england which is where they prepare for their a levels so they're 17 18 um and many of them i would say first of all don't know who they are but also they don't know their why most definitely so they're there and I see that at university they arrive at university because they've been told that's the holy grail right yeah. that's where you go so it's almost like they're there because they want that the bit of paper at the end that says I've got a degree but it's not tapped into the why mm -hmm. um so do you see that too at the beginning and how do we you know, how do we empower our young people as parents? Because some of the listeners are parents, um, but also, you know, the, the, the teachers. Without, I guess that's that maybe the balance is that how do we make sure that we help them tap into their why without making so much pressure that they feel really bad that they have because that's the other thing I guess I hear from young people is that you want me to know exactly what I want to be when I grow up mm -hmm. and I might not know that yet so what would be your response to that how do we you know is there a way to tap into our why without feeling that we have to know for sure that we want to be an architect or a doctor or, you know, but that we still have enough meaning in our life that is, is a guiding light, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, thank you also for this question. It's beautiful. Um, uh, what you, as you say already, they are not conscious yet. Not all students are conscious yet about their own qualities. So when they uh, fill in the list of qualities and skills to, to be chosen by the other teammates, then after that I come back to after that I come back to the discovered qualities and skills uh, so, so they will discover themselves about hey I didn't know that I could be also a leader so now you become a leader and I ask why and they do it also with other students ask other students what they think about you, your qualities and skills and what do you learn from them and what do you learn to your fellow students and when you uh, <coughs> ask them what do you want to become later as a, a pilot uh, or an architect or a writer? And I ask why. And I, uh, uh, you know, the retrospective about the five whys. Ask five times a why. Why, 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 why? You, when you ask this five, five times, you go very deep with these uh, simple questions. Uh, and then step by step, they become more conscious about their own why. But it takes time. It takes really time. Not sometimes fast sometimes not so fast and why it takes time because you are not used to ask why and i think also you know that when the when you have little kids and they're grown up when the students when they starting with talking and when they are one and a half year old two years old they ask why 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 you get a lot of whys until they are four years old they have a lot of whys why 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 and then they come into the school, the old school or the traditional school. And then the teacher tell you why you have to learn and what you have to do. So 
in the beginning, they ask why, 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 well, then it will decline in, say, it will decline uh, a lot. And they don't ask a lot of times of why, 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 why anymore. So, and when they become uh, 12, 13 years old, they become a little bit about why, 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 a little bit, but it is not uh, normal in a school that they ask this kind of questions because the teacher tells you what to do and mostly not why. So start, start with the why is crucial because then you touch not only the students, you touch also the self. Because when you ask the students, why do you do this? You have to know your own why too. Yes. And then, and then what I'm seeing is because I feel that currently, you know, you said you're a fan of my posts. And I think because what happens is people resonate to, I have really stepped into my why. And so people resonate with that. I guess it's like when, when it, it weirdly, I think that every time we see someone who has stepped into their why very clearly and have, um, what's the word are doing things on purpose with purpose it's it's you know so above my my desk i've got this um this, this lighthouse okay yeah. and for me this is really like when you're tapped into your why and into your heart then it, that that is like the guiding light right yeah yeah of course <laughs> great Yes, you show me your lighthouse and uh, great. Uh, when somebody asked me, do you have a curriculum? Yes, it is in the books or you can download the curriculum, but <laughs> I, uh, I have a ni very nice, beautiful book. It's called, what do you want to, what do you want to, sorry, that's the wrong book one. Uh, yeah, what do you want to learn? Or what uh, do you do with an ID? Yeah. Maybe you know this book and this No, is about, I don't know that. What do it, you do when with, with an idea? Okay. Yeah, so I, I translate a little bit and what do you want to learn? Yeah. So yeah. A, a little bit a book for children, really amazing story, a little bit little story with few words, with a lot of yeah, text yeah. in it. And uh, the the same author is also wrote a book about what do you do with a problem? Ah. What, do you do with, what do you do with a chance? Amazing. And this really, really, uh, maybe when you have books, you can look, read a lot of books, but trying is also a book for the same author. Or text of maybe. Ah. Maybe not, or maybe yes. Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no, yes. Yeah, so this yeah. is, this for me, a great, great book. What do you do with an idea? Um, for me, I translate it into what do you want to learn? Yeah. As an open question. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, really, this is for me uh, little storybooks for little children, for me, for everybody. Simple words, simple drawings. You read them and you know it. You feel yeah. it. Yes. Amazing. So um, I, I could talk to you forever, but I'm also co conscious of the time. So um, I want I want to ask you before I ask you my last question. Um, if people resonate with Eddie Scrum and they want to know more and they want to train and sort of like you know how do I what do they need to to do to to be, find out more information? I guess. Okay, <laughs> thank you. They can go to the they can Google Eddie Scrum or yeah. they can go to the website Eddie Scrum.nl. 
or dot com it's the same <coughs> so and then they get some information uh, in the dutch and in english uh yes and they can contact us no problem at all wonderful i'll i'll put all the links that so they can put they can get in yeah. touch with you anyway and we, and... we also and you know <coughs> one thing about the training i don't want to sell a training because training is is one thing but when you have a training uh, for five times three hours or two days and <coughs> that is normal for a training uh, and when the when you the training is done and this you don't have contact anymore it will it will be a failure you know we give after the training a, a, a kind of we build up a community of practice that that after the training the, the participants can join together in a community of practice to learn and to share their experiences together that is i think more important than the training but before you can step into the community of practice you need a more to some basics and then you can step in yeah of course makes complete sense yeah so uh willie to wrap up i always ask my guests uh if there was one thing you would want to take away or people to take away from the conversation we've just had for an hour what would it be for you uh, i was very glad to see and to hear how you're talking about your passion about your heart feelings and um that is also resonate with me. For me, we we I think we we take this, we speak the same language. We feel the same language. I think. Yes, I think I think so. I think that's the basis of what for me that's going to be the basis of change in education. Yeah. That's yeah. how we're going to change yeah. education. Yeah. Thank you so much. That that was just absolutely wonderful. Thank you, uh, Fabienne, for your interview and for your podcast. It was amazing to, to talk with you. Yeah, we say, you. Of course, we stay in touch. Yes, thank you. The pleasure was mutual. It was really lovely. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank hey. you. Bye-bye. Hey, Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our podcast, Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. You can also reach me via Twitter at FlourishingHE on LinkedIn or you can join our private Facebook group, Flourishing Education. All the links are easily available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much and I hope you are flourishing. Bye for now.